What is the science-based target initiative and the three types of carbon emissions? That's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Hello and welcome to the Impact Go Rush podcast. This is the podcast for impact entrepreneurs. This podcast aims to amplify the voices of impact entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka the Sustainable Development Goals. Listen in to fellow impact entrepreneurs on their journey in this new Go Rush of making a bigger impact. Get inspired to learn how through entrepreneurship you can grow your impact to make the world a better place, leave a legacy and live a more meaningful life. I'm your host, Wun Tan. If you've missed the previous episode, we had Kat Lecoq of Share Impact talk about the five principles of becoming a social enterprise. That was episode number 15. This is episode number 14 and today we have Will Richardson of Green Element here today to talk about the science-based target initiative, his thoughts on the global goals and how businesses can be more sustainable. Will Richardson from Green Element, welcome to the Impact Go Rush. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks for being on, Will. Why should businesses be more impact-driven? It's <laughs> a million-dollar question, isn't it? Um, you just have to be. You, why would you not be? I think any business that is starting out today and any business that is running today needs to be thinking about their stakeholders. They need to be thinking about the people they work with. They need to be thinking about their colleagues and who their customers are. And let's face it, we're starting to get sick and tired of organisations that don't care about us, that do only care about the bottom line. And we're starting to actually buy off people that we trust will deliver those. And that's the reason why you should be doing it, because the more people are doing it, the more people will start to do it. And that's a change started to happen and is really, really, really happening now. I think we are starting to, to change as consumers, as, as people that buy. And so I think that's been the big, big driver. And that is such a big change and that's that change is only starting, isn't it? It's like there's so much more in the economy that is um, that still needs to change, and and so um, which leads me really to to the next question. You know, you've been running Green Element for some time now, and you've actually been in the environmental sustainability space um, for many years. And could you share with us what does Green Element do, and how has it evolved over the last few years, and how are you helping businesses to be more sustainable? I started Green Element back in two thousand and three, two thousand and four, and we help organisations reduce their environmental impact. Over that time, that has our foundations has increased so therefore we're not just helping organizations become more environmental we are looking at sustainability more as a whole we became a b corp back in 2015 so have been a per we were one of the first b corps in the uk and with that came an insight into how to run an organization that is completely sustainable and there are hard decisions that have to be made when you are going down the route of um, purpose before profits, because there are times that the business will run where profit needs to come before purpose, but it can't because that goes against your absolute values. So how do you get around that and what do you do? And we've got quite a lot of learnings from that because as any business, we've had our ups and downs. It hasn't been an easy ride for us, but it's been a roller coaster ride. And so we help organisations with that 
transition to help them become more sustainable through a variety of different means from our online training academy, Green Element Academy, to our online coaching, Sustainability Solved, and through our community, the Sustainability Solved community, and Classic Consultancy, which we do a lot of complicated carbon reporting for organisations. So people like Finisterre with their life cycle analysis work that we do um, and a variety of other um, organisations helping them reduce that impact through carbon reporting. For someone who is thinking of getting into sustainability, I mean, you've seen the whole space shift over the last many years. Could you share with us what's been the big change from a business point of view, from a sort of um, corporate side of things? Like how, how has sustainability changed? How, how has people's perception changed? And what, are you, what do you see um, going forward? Historically, organisations used to look at sustainability in the environment as a cost-saving exercise, and they would see it as a Um, How can we increase the bottom line through becoming more environmental? And that's not to say that's a bad thing, but that was a very common driver back in the um, early 2000s up until probably around about 2010, 2011. Around about that time, we started to see a shift towards wanting to become more sustainable environmental because the organisation wanted to do it. Therefore, they were willing to put more resources into it. It didn't need to have such a regimented cost-benefit analysis on the back of projects. So therefore, maybe coming more sustainable in the short term was going to cost more. But in the long term, it was much more viable to do it because they knew that their customers wanted them to do it. They knew their colleagues wanted to do it. And it became a more personal approach. And that shift has only accelerated in the last um, from being honest, the last year since COVID's been around and we are seeing organisations now just doing it because not because they think it's the right thing. They know it's the right thing. Mm. Have you seen your, your um, I guess, the bigger organisations, like the customers that you're speaking to or the ones knocking on your door, have they changed? They have and their rhetoric has changed. But yet, um, and this is not a bad thing, we still look at the financials and the larger the organisation, the more easy it is to save money. And running an organisation and um, it's great to save money on stuff that is superfluous to requirement, i.e. when you're paying for too much energy or when you are travelling to meetings that you don't actually need to, then cutting that out actually increases your bottom line. And over time, what has happened is a lot of clients of organisations expect their the company to pay for um, the travel to and from the meetings. It's not actually included in the projects. And so therefore, it was always absolutely going to come out of their bottom line to be able to stop travelling. And that's not a bad thing. I think what has shifted is the fact that we know that rhetoric has changed and the smaller the organisation, the less likely it is going to be able to reduce its environmental impact to the point that it will save money to such a degree. And that's where it's been really positive because 
people are now looking at um, this and going, we just do it because we need to, which means that money is becoming less of a barrier to entry and people are understanding that actually longer term goals are you will pick up more clients, you'll get a better market share, you will, um, you know, everyone will actually believe in what it is that you're doing, probably more so. Mm, interesting. And, you know, one of the things that, um, so so you have, um, you became a B Corp very much since it arrived in the UK. Um, what has been your, your sort of journey with the B Corp? It's been, it's been brilliant, if I'm honest. It's been, um, su- they're such a great community. And um, I may point out that you don't need to be a B Corp to be ethical. I think there is a huge amount of um, communications and media interest around B Corp. And as much as obviously we believe in it and we think it's the right thing, I I implore any organisation just to be ethical and to stand up to your values. You don't need to go down the B Corp route. Um, But we've, yeah, I've just, I've got loads of friends. To be honest with you, we've made loads of, we've made so many good partnerships in the B Corp community and we're continuing, continuing to make those partnerships. And, um, I love it because I'm a people person and we're even looking at partnering with some of our competitors and we have partnered with some of our other competitors, you know, and that's, that's what life's about. Life's about, we're we're trying to change. We're trying to help change culture and we are not going to be able to do it on our own. We need to be doing it all together and holding hands and um, sounds rather hippie, but, and there is a very much an element of that kind of hippiness that goes on in B Corp. And I think probably I have those roots there. So therefore it sits quite well with me. Mm. And I'll, I'll come to the science-based target question later on, but like, so the name of the podcast is Impact Goal Rush and we're trying to get more businesses to be more aligned with the sustainable development goals. And that's another, uh, well, that's that's one of the other things that is happening globally, right? And what what is your view of the SDGs and like how how, how has it been, you know perceived i think they're brilliant we we actually don't (laughs) they're quite complicated um and i don't think they're executed massively well in many organizations from listening to experts in it because we're very much in that space and because we know a number of people that work within purely the sdgs I understand the complexity around them. Therefore, I haven't actually touched them much because I don't want to do it wrong. Equally, I think when an organisation gets to grips with what SDGs they are able to work on, then the knock-on ramifications are just phenomenal and really, really good. And they've been very well thought out. And um, I think even from their marketing, I mean, who doesn't love that wonderful multicultural, um, you know, picture of the SDGs? I mean, it's it just looks aesthetically pleasing. And so I, I think that that's on a very superficial level. But I think the SDGs are very, very good. And we I was chatting to um, Fran from One Stone Advisors, who's probably one of the world's renowned SDG consultants and had the same conversation with her and she said yes but will you actually really cover off bum, 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 bum. 
and um, went through the ones that we cover off because she knows our business incredibly well as a partner of ours. And um, we're actually going to be putting it into our impact report. And I think we will probably try and push them more. Um, and it's only from lack of confidence and not wanting to do the wrong thing that we haven't done in the past. But that's not to say that anyone listening shouldn't shouldn't look at them and should try and um, go down their route. But don't, I would su- suggest don't try and hit as many of them as you possibly can for ego. Actually look at them sensibly and work out what your core business does and what core SDG goals and the um the parts of those particular goals because you may not actually hit all of the i don't know what the um categories underneath the actual goals are called let's call them categories you may not hit all of the categories I think with... the, the targets and the indicators there that below the okay the so you, you won't always hit every single target and indicator um below it but that doesn't mean you're not doing a bad job so um really look at it and work it into your business plan cool I know you are uh, you're fairly involved with the science-based targets. Could you share with us what what the, what is it and how does it work and how, how can people use that uh, as a as a method to be more sustainable? Of course, the science-based targets was a, an initiative set up by the World Resource Institute, CDP, um, WWF, and oh rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry, the, the organisation I haven't mentioned. Um, there is another one Uh, maybe while I'm talking you could uh, go on to the SBTI and look it up Um, but it was an initiative set up in order to help organisations at whatever size so we at Green Element set our science-based targets back in 2018 when we were a team of four at that point and we worked pretty much remotely we had one site that was an office sharing site so therefore we didn't have our own office we set our science-based targets back then and so therefore it's a really really important thing to note is that it's not just the big organizations although the big organizations did jump on it and it's setting targets in line with the 2.2.5 degree increase by 2030 and real net zero by 2050 and by setting those targets you know that if you achieve those targets, at whatever size of an organisation you are, you will be in line with climate change and that 1.5 degree increase and keeping it below that. And that's really, really, really useful to know as an organisation because it means that you're not adding pressure to the environment, you're actually relieving pressure. And in order to achieve that, you need to capture 75% or more of your carbon emissions across scope one, two, and three, i.e. every single one of your emissions. Yeah, so that is amazing. I mean, for for people who are not aware of the, the different scopes of carbon emissions, could you explain the different scopes? Because I think um, for some of our audience, uh, these are still fairly new concepts. Of course. I think, I think one a, a way to think about it is... They're divided into three categories, scope one, scope two, and scope three. Scope one is direct emissions. Those direct, Think about direct emissions as you filling in a vehicle with petrol or diesel that you own. So you are burning that diesel in a vehicle that your organisation owns. It's gas. 
that's coming into your offices. You are burning that gas to make hot water and heat your building. The um, fluorinated gases, the gases that you put in your um, air conditioning units, you are using those gases in order to cool your building. So that's direct emissions. Scope two, indirect emissions. That's electricity. And electricity is something that is powered elsewhere. It could be a coal power station. Hopefully you're buying renewables. But it is an energy that is powered elsewhere. And then you use that electricity. And then scope three is absolutely everything else. And another way to think about um, scope one, two and three is that scope three is always someone else's scope one and two. So if you're thinking about business travel, which is one of the categories in scope three, and you are flying from London to New York, that plane is your scope three emissions. So you need to work out those emissions for that business flight. But then British Airways, say it's British Airways that you're flying on, that is their scope one emissions. They physically filled up that plane with gasoline and they are burning that gasoline. So that is their scope one emissions. And the thought process initially around it was that we don't need to ask people to work out their scope three emissions because if everyone in the world works out their scope one and two emissions, then we have all the emissions calculated. It didn't quite work out to plan. And obviously now you have um, people working out their scope one, two and three emissions, which is why you constantly hear statistics of 22% of the world emissions are done by freight. 28% of the emissions are done by IT infrastructure. 30%, you know, and it adds up to like 5,000%. And you think, how does that work out? And it's because it's not taking into consideration um, the scope one and two. If you were actually looking at it holistically um, around that, then you would obviously reach 100%. I, I like how you have explained it so clearly. So so with science-based target, it seems like it's a very holistic approach and it's actually the most, I, I guess, one of the more complete uh, frameworks that you can use from an environmental point of view that you can really uh, address climate change. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And um, I, I can't wax lyrical about it more, to be honest with you. I think that for me, every organisation should be going through science-based targets. Even if you don't get them verified, it doesn't matter. Don't, you know, verification can cost a lot. We got ours verified because it was free initially and there because they wanted to get more organizations on board. And we, um, so we as a small organization and the prices have changed and are changing and fluctuating because they're realizing that they don't want it to be cost, um, you know, quite cost heavy. But equally, you do not need to have them verified in order to set your science-based targets. You can still submit your science-based targets onto the initiative and it just says non-verified next door. But if you're comfortable with whoever you used, whether it's in-house or a consultancy, then you can very easily set your science-based targets. And it's actually not a massively complicated task, to be honest with you. Mm. And how is current distribution of like, organisations in terms of those that are already on board? Uh, most people feel that it's a large organization thing to do. And that's where that's that's a problem because it's not. It's actually um, any organization should be doing it and it should be a part of your business plan. It should be a part of your roadmap. If you really are truly trying to um, improve environmentally, then why on earth are you emitting emissions 
over that 1.5 degree increase? Do you think you've got a, a silver card that can get you through? Oh, it doesn't matter to me because of what we do as a business. Of course it doesn't. Everyone needs to be thinking about it. What about the, um, from a global point of view, like uh, what companies and what organizations from which countries are, are on board? All over the world. If you go to the science-based initiative, then they will, you can see, you can check, you can look at they're literally all over the world from all different industries. They, they, yeah, there is no, I mean, I'm sure there probably is, but I haven't spent any time looking and analysing which companies have gone through science-based targets. We just help organisations achieve them. So people like Grant Thornton and the like, um, and the people that we we set their targets for them. So if you're listening in and you are one of the businesses that are already thinking about being more environmentally sustainable, then you need to speak to Will. Um, so Will, yeah, you, you, you've been podcasting for some time now and I've actually had the pleasure of working with you when you were taking it to the next level. Could you share with us what's been your biggest uh, learning you know, running your the Green Element podcast, the Sustainable Business podcast? It's really enjoyable. And if you enjoy talking to people and you enjoy learning from people, then you will love um working on a podcast because it's an excuse to talk to as many people as possible and when i was asked by charlie wyman long time ago um to put together a podcast we talked about the frequency that we should be doing it and i obviously went for a month i think i even said a court every one every quarter from Anyway, she balked at that and went absolutely no way. You need to do it one a week. And I was like, no way. But she's the expert. I went down that route and I wouldn't have it any other way to the point where I'm actually quite keen to do two a week, to be honest with you. Um, so Christina, who um listening to this, has, hasn't heard that before. So she'll absolutely hate that um, because she's the person behind the podcast. But um, yeah, I, I think it is... Don't fret about um, being the most, the best possible. Don't fret about, um, you know, just the things that you need to think about is the quality of the audio um, between you and the listener, because uh, you, you, you don't want your listener to go, oh, I can't hear anything. I'm switching off. And that's probably the thing that you need to think about the most. And then obviously the quality of the conversation. Um, but that's totally uh, up to you and what it is that you decide. Have a structure, don't have a structure. There are people that uh, wax lyrical about everything, have a semi-structure. We're, we're semi-structured. Um, sometimes uh, the the podcast um, person that we're talking to wants that structure because they actually want to answer all the questions that we put forward. And that's actually helpful to them. Some people quite like going off piste and we end up maybe talking about some of it, all of it, none of it. Um, and so make it work for you. And I think, but have an outcome. Our outcome is to deliver educational insights into how an organisation can become more environmental and sustainable. That is what we're delivering. Our goal for every single episode is to have someone listening and going, oh, I can do that. And that's why when you go onto the Green Element podcast page, you can actually sort by industry and listen to the industry that you're in in order to get that um, insight. I mean, you have over 100 episodes on your podcast and it's all really well uh, categorized. Um, so I think people should check it out because there's so many businesses and some very um, cutting edge sort of sustainable 
driven businesses out there. So my last question, Will, you have an uh, environmental management academy and you do carbon reporting courses. Could you tell us a bit about how does it work and you know who is it for? So one of the, one of the um, things that I've noticed over the time that we've been doing this is the fact that say 99% of organizations stroke businesses in the UK are SMEs and SMEs as much as we want to put purpose before profit they still need to be profitable and so how is it that an organization can become more environmental cost effectively and that's where our green element academy comes in and we have courses as low as you know 47 quid to have basic environmental training that you may want to take your colleagues through so that they understand what it is that you're doing or trying to achieve. Or maybe it's um, the £97 course that helps you understand how your whole business could be more environmental. And then some of them are IEMA approved as well. So IEMA is the Institute for Environmental Management Assessment. It meant a lot to us to make sure that we were certified on our academy so that you knew that you were buying off a reputable company. I'm a fellow of IEMA, so um, that should help um, with that. And we're just about to bring out carbon footprint reporting course that will be slightly different to others that you'll see out there because we actually have a carbon reporting software, Compare Your Footprint. And a part of the course that you'll be signing up to, you get a temporary login and you get to understand how to input or carbon footprint and what it is to do. And so therefore, you actually come out of it going, I understand the greenhouse gas protocol. I understand what scopes are. I understand how to put my carbon footprint together. So you could really get a colleague of yours or you could do it as a small business owner to go through that course and come out incredibly well qualified in order to be able to carbon footprint yourself, which means that you won't need to actually pay for a consultant to do it. And that's what we're all about is trying to not have you employ us. We want as many people to be um, doing all of this themselves. That's how we can scale and how we can reduce globally these um, environmental impacts. That's really cool. I mean, I think it's so true that um, as a business, having educational piece and having that accessible to more, more people makes a big difference. Because we are in lockdown again, can I quickly mention that on that Green Element Academy, we have two courses put aside for eight-year-olds and 13-year-olds. So anyone listening with um, children um, of those kind of age brackets, so obviously around about eight and around about 13, we've got free, we've got free courses for them that has been designed by us alongside um, educational experts um, who design courses. So they are professionally designed and it's just... Get them onto it. Get them going through it because they're meant to be there to help um, your children become more environmental and be insightful for them. Um, you know, it gives them something to do for a few hours as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this is this is a really important um, Im- important time. I mean, we're we're still in a lockdown and most kids are, are sort of at home, and I think it's it's going to be a fairly useful and exciting course for them. I, I'm guessing. How has the response been? It's been actually really good. To be honest with you, the the times that it's been really good is when we've been shouting about it and we haven't shouted about it enough. We should shout about it more. And because it's there, it's free. And a lot of time and effort was put into it. It was um, a couple of the consultants wanted to do something in the first lockdown to help parents. And interestingly, they weren't parents themselves. So they, as a team, put it together. I actually had not much to do with it, to be honest with you. 
Um, they spoke to the educational experts. They put the course together and um, mainly driven by Alicia Few, who's um, one of our um, lead consultants on carbon footprinting. Oh, thank you for sharing that. So, Will, any parting advice for anyone who is listening who wants to be more environmentally sustainable? What would you say to them? It's not hard and you can do it yourself. Don't be put off by um, people that overcomplicate the issue. What what you need to look at is what does your business do and how do you reduce that impact? Start off with the larger items, i.e., um, you know, what's your biggest um, exposure from an environmental point of view is it energy what is it your products that you're making how can you reduce your impact in those products you know don't try and solve absolutely everything all in one and just have a look at your whole business model and start ticking away and getting um your business to be more environmental slowly but surely you'll be able to do it and as people within your organization can see what it is that they're Um, you're doing you will be able to enlist them to help and they will be able to help a lot um i think that's the best thing to do i mean i I had a meeting a couple of days ago and they had a a a, um academic person from a well-known university talk to them about carbon footprinting and they made it sound so complicated to this person that they basically didn't want to do it and it's a bit like really why what it's not complicated just reduce your environmental impact and understand your carbon footprint and that's where campaign footprint comes in because we've made it really easy for people to be able to um understand their carbon footprint and because actually there are there is complexity around it but don't get bogged down by the complexity just make just focus on the simplicity and then as you become more accustomed to that um carbon footprint model you'll start to understand the complexity more and more well thank you for your time Will. well thank you so much for having me on been a pleasure as always to talk to you Wynne. thank you so that was will richardson of green element what's been your biggest takeaway from this episode let us know in the comment section on our social media page if you haven't subscribed yet please do subscribe This will really help us grow our podcast. And if you can think of someone that would benefit from listening to this podcast, please do share it with them. And in the next episode, we have Sue Jackson of Future Proof Your Business. And she's going to be talking about the key steps that will future proof your business. So tune in to next week's episode. Thank you very much for listening in to the end of this episode. We really appreciate you. This is the Impact Goal Rush. My name is Wun Tan and I'll see you in the next episode.